Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to episode 119 of GigPod. So while Celtic are still away, we are still churning out the content and as promised, this is part one of our A to Z of the season for 2021-2022. Joining myself, Stevie, for this segment is none other than Rizzo himself. Join this is take two after the wonderful Citizen M Hotel decided to play music right above us on Saturday. A great establishment indeed who I absolutely did not lose the plot at when I was waiting for a drink of sparkling water and a chocolate with a hangover. Uh, hi everyone. No, you didn't lose the plot at all. You are calm just like you are when you watch Celtic games. And it's a truly great establishment that I'll never criticise. But I'll never be involved in a podcast recording then again either. <laughs> no, if any, if, if they're listening to this, then we're definitely banned. So John, let's get right into this one. Yep. You answer these. And we'll move on quickly. We're kicking this off. A is for Ange. Who else could it have been there? Nobody, because he's the, the man, Ange. And uh, we'll not talk about what he's doing in the transfer market now. We'll wait and we'll do that in a couple of episodes' time. But he knows how to get players in that he wants quickly. He's done that for the moment he's getting. And he's recovered for a poor start. Well, relatively poor start to take us to the title and back into the Champions League. One of Celtic's best managers in a long time and... If we win in the league again next season, then I'd probably put him up there in the top the top five Celtic managers ever. So high praise indeed for Ange. I just want to ask you what your favourite moment was from our leader. And I do say our leader because, John, you are actually using the phone cover we got from Tech Tech Accessories on Instagram. And it actually says our leader and it's got a photo of Ange. So I, what was your favourite moment other than getting that phone case of him? Yep, a truly great company there and uh, you should use them. Don't use it as a name in a cold podcast. <laughs> my favourite... <laughs> my favourite Ange moment was a one that I unfortunately missed because I decided to go and get a bus and I lost a wallet in the bus. Yes, it's when you were there, when Ange went and spoke to the fans outside Celtic Park after we won the league at Tannadice. I only unfortunately saw the next day. But no, I mean, he didn't have to do that. He could have just like waved and everybody would have went crazy and celebrated. But he came out and made a speech... And then he said, come back and Saturday, we'll have an even bigger party. And we did have. But that just shows the sort of, the measure of the manager that he is and the measure of the man that he is. Because he didn't need to do that, but he did. And it's great that he's so loved by all the fans. And even if it doesn't go well for Celtic this season and next season, but I think it will, I still think the fans would always respect Ange for the amazing job that he'd done in his first year at Parkhead. Now, B is for Bricky. John, you chose this one. That is indeed the term of endearment for Anthony Tony Ralston. Lead the way with the plaudits, big man. Well, I had to pick the Bricky because he's 
probably been the success story of the season if you think about it. I mean, I mean, guys like Kyogo were obviously like big at the play, the teams they'd played for before. Uh, even a guy like Greg Taylor, who's never this cup of tea, he had like been a regular for Celtic before this last season. Ralston didn't he? He was out of the squad completely. Played one game in season twenty twenty one. Yeah, Ange saw something in him. Another example, Ange being a great manager, he saw something in Ralston and training at the start of the season. Gave Ralston a new one-year contract and Ralston just went for strength to strength. He's scored a lot of key goals. He's got what, five goals, nine assists, which is brilliant for a, a, a right back. And especially when you consider he's got JJ, who's probably the best player in Scotland, challenging for this position. But Ralph just an amazing season. Like he scored in his first full Scotland game, a, a brilliant goal as well, a great header. And I think that now that he's signed a long term contract, he'll be at Celtic for many years to come. And I think he'll keep up the same level of performance next year. And it's good in him for turning what really must have been a terrible situation to his advantage. He must have thought if I knuckle down in training and show it, maybe Angel have faith in me. And that's what happened. And well done to the bricky. Nobody would have expected him to do it. And he's turned his Celtic career around. He had nine assists last season. I'm going to ask you what your favourite one from him was. Well, I'm going to have to take a leaf out of your book for, for once and uh, pick a goal that I know you love. Uh, he's passed to Kyogo in the last game of the season against Motherwell, a game which, as everybody knows, I missed. But you did text me a rave about what an amazing goal it was. And it was. And for once, it was a Celtic player paying attention to Kyogo saying, pass the ball to me, because every time Kyogo runs through the middle, we and he wants a pass. A lot of other times our players don't do that, which is really annoying. But Ralston done it, and it was a brilliant pass. It was a great goal, and I think thinking about it for what I said in the last episode that nobody will ever hear due to noise. <laughs> I can't remember the one that I picked for that, for, uh, for Ralston for that, but I remember you loved that assist, and you are right, because it was brilliant. We move on to see now, and it can only be for... Captain Callum McGregor. John, as we discussed on the first take, not an easy job for him to take over for Scott Brown. So much responsibility and expectation. So many new players, new personalities to gel into that team and mould them into the Celtic mentality, which is a draw could be a disaster. Players, John, who had no idea of the weight of expectation they'd be under and the pressure that comes by playing with Celtic. Callum McGregor managed to integrate all those new players very quickly and you know, help mould us into a title winning side. You've got to say, he has been absolutely brilliant for us. And while we both say he's maybe not the best footballer at Celtic, there's no doubt he's the most important player. No, it's as you said, it was a difficult job to go over Scott Brown, who as a I don't even think he's a Celtic legend, Celtic icon possibly with all the trophies that he won. And he was such a big personality and that is really what you expect for Cal McGregor. He's not the sort of guy that sort of winds people up like Bruni did so well and gets involved in Barnes like Bruno did so well. But McGregor's a different sort of character, but he still managed to have the same winning mentality that Bruno had in his years captain Celtic. And as you said, playing at a team like Celtic and I'd say Rangers as well, and a few other clubs, like if you draw, as as you say, terrible, it's a catastrophe. If Celtic draw, it's awful most of the time. And he had to get that through to the players that, as you said, must have played for teams where a draw is sometimes an acceptable result. And the players have bought into that. And every time I've seen an interview last season with like one of our new signings, they've always mentioned, I remember Abada did this 
mentioned how important that McGregor was to the team and he's a real leader in the dressing room. And he's done so well to take over. It wasn't an easy job. But you think he'd be doing it for years. And as you say, he's maybe no often the no was the best one, but he's the most important player, not just for Scott, not just for Celtic, but for Scotland as well. And he really should be captain in Scotland as well. So I mean he won't, thanks to Steve Clark picking uh, Andrew Robertson for that. But no, McGregor is the best, the most important player for Celtic and Scotland. And it, and I suppose you could even say at times he's the best player because of how important he is. Maybe no maybe no technically, but all round game and his importance to the team is so uh, important to Celtic. And I have to ask, what was his most iconic moment of last season? I think we probably know it was the run against Rangers. That's what I'd be choosing, the one at Ibrooks where he turned the game. But what would you say? It was either that or the time he hilariously called Borna Barisic a, a shite bag in the, the legendary 3-0 victory that took us top of the league. They were both uh, sensational in different ways. One was... A good wind-up that Scott Brown would be proud of. And the other was a brilliant bit of football that dragged us into a game that we had to win, which I said all along. And I was right, of course. But uh, no, I'd say it's a tie between the shite bag comment to Barisic, because Barisic was a shite bag that night, and his brilliant run he set up the equaliser against Rangers at Ibrox. All right, we'll move on to the now, which was December 2021 which was a crucial run of fixtures that Celtic were involved in. And we only dropped points in one of the games, and that was towards the end of December against the Mirren. But I'll read out the fixtures where we played Hearts, we won 1-0. Then we had Tannadice, 1-3-0. Breathtaking football, we then beat Betis four days later with a reserve side, really. Beat Motherwell with a depleted side three days after that. The iconic game where we won at Ross County with Anthony Ralston's last-minute winner in the 150th minute actually, sorry, and then the Kyogo Cup final. As I said, we drew against St Mirren before rounding off December with a very important win against St Johnston. John, if I can just ask, out of all those games, what one stands out the most to you in December 2021? I suppose uh, technically it's a cup final because that was the first trophy we won under Ange. And, I mean, the two goals, Kyogo scored were fantastic. But, Really, I suppose, in terms of importance, and I know we're going to talk about this game a bit later, it's probably the Ross County game because we didn't play well. We'd stopped creating chances, really. Ross County had like 10 men on their own penalty box, even though we'd been reduced to 10 men when uh, Starfield got sent off for getting elbowed in the nose. Uh, brilliant by refereeing there. And it looked like we were going to drop points, and that would have been a, a real blow for us, but... Ralston came up, as you said, in the 150th minute with a, a goal or nothing. Brilliant cross by the, the much-missed already, Tom Rogic. And we'll talk about this goal again a wee bit later, or maybe not, but that was probably the most important goal. Maybe not. I mean, the one against St. John's, we've talked about a lot because that was a Celtic B team. So many players were injured and, of course, there was no no fans. Thank you, uh, a wonderful government. But I'd say the most important one was probably the Ross County one. And as you said, I mean, we were brilliant against Dungeon United in that 3-0-1. Maybe our best performance of the season, apart from Rangers. But every other game was a grind and a struggle. And uh, it, it showed the two sides of Celtic that month that we can play well and win, and we can grind out wins as well. And that's what you need to do to win the league, and that's what happened in the end. And we wouldn't have won the league if it hadn't been for the, the nearly perfect December run that we had. Now, moving on to E, this is one, John, that you wanted to talk about. You chose E for Edward Leaving. Why are you putting Eddie in there then? 
Because he was such a big player for us in the years before it. And it was still a blow when he left. I mean, people might forget how well him and Kyogo played in the, I think, two games they played together at the start of the season against St Mirren, when we won 6-0. And against Hearts, when we beat them 3-2, but we could have scored easily double that. We created so many chances in that game that it, re- it, couldn't, it should have been, instead of 3-2, it should have been 8-2. I only ate one. <laughs> <laughs> back to Eddie I mean people all gave him stick because his last performance for his was poor against Rangers when he missed that sitter but he was a great player for us he scored so many important goals and I think we had to mention such an important player leaving okay Ayer was an important player as well and so was Christie but I think they two aren't missed as much as Eddie still is and I think if Eddie had stayed I think we'd have won the league by a lot more points than we did. I think we'd have won it by like 10 points. But he wanted to have a go in England and good luck to him in that. He's not on the Palace team every week that I've saw, but I think he's still good enough to make it in England. And of course, if English, if players do well in England after playing well for us, we can end up, that can like be a good selling point for us to get new players to the club. So I hope Eddie does do well down in England next season. Do you reckon when Edward left... The fact that we already had Kyogo in softened the blow because we saw how good Kyogo could be, especially in his first few weeks. And even though Edward was a fan's favourite and he left, people were obviously a wee bit gutted, but it went fair enough because, you know, Kyogo stepped up when they realised that he had the talent to do that. I think it's because of that, and I think it's because a lot of people think that Eddie was poor in his first his last full season. He wasn't really. I think he still scored about twenty goals playing for a, a terrible Celtic team, devoid of confidence. But he didn't have his best season and I think that affected what a lot of people thought about him, forgetting how brilliant he had been in the previous seasons. So, and, and as you say, Kyogo's excellent start for us did probably like make people think, oh, well, we can cope without Eddie. And I suppose we have shown that we can cope without him, but I'd still much rather have him at Celtic than not Celtic. All right, this is a bit, John, but you'll have to rein me in. F is for Fireball, which is indeed the best Celtic fans chant. And it was voted the best Celtic fans chant on our Instagram for the season two. Hold on a minute though, hold on a minute. They also voted Spunkphone as the, the hero of the podcast, so sometimes the listeners can get things wrong. They didn't get that wrong where we asked for what was the best fans chant of last season and Pitbull's Fireball is definitely the standout tune of the season and which was uh, quite memorable for so many great Celtic tunes. But aye, F for Fireball, it was the only choice, wasn't it? It was. Are you uh, emotional at the moment because there's been all those rumours about JJ... And you had done an, an emergency uh, Instagram video about him. Uh, yeah, highly emotional. I know he's your favourite player, that he could leave Celtic, although I don't think he will. Well, I've calmed down a wee bit now because you might want to tell the listeners as well. What was that like when I was texting you? I thought it was a hilarious joke. I thought when you said JJ's away, I'd go well. You'd text on holiday. Boom, boom. That is satire. But you didn't. <laughs> You went, check it with uh, Fabrizio, the transfer insider said, and of course he said that JJ is apparently going to leave this summer. But another journalist from Croatia has said that that's not going to happen. So we'll just need to wait and see. But yes, fireball chant of the season. Yeah, and I've also calmed down on that front as well. I reckon it is his agency that is no doubt wanting a better deal for him and on better terms. And I think they'll probably chuck in a clause for after the World Cup or even next summer, that he goes for a certain amount of money. So that's what I reckon's happened. But yep, 
I think we'll still see JJ in a Celtic shirt at the start of the season and hopefully for the rest of the season because it is sadly imminent that he will be leaving. If it's not, you know, after the World Cup, it's definitely going to be next summer. So let's just enjoy him while he's still here and make the most of that great tune, Fireball, Jonah. Great song. Here's a pro tip, though. Don't get drunk and sing it on a train and annoy the other passengers on the train. There's just a, a wee tip for everybody out there, the listeners out there. Life lessons from John Reader. It will never catch on. Okay, let's move on to G now. G is for Gigi. John, the big man. He fairly came into his own in the second half of the season, didn't he? And you're a big fan of him. Oh, Gigi's fantastic. He's one of my favourite players. And he's proved the doubters wrong. And for a while, I was wondering why was it that that Livingston game where he, he memorably missed that penalty in injury time that would have put us top of the league and then missed a great chance settings after that where he missed kicked in front of goal. But he overcame that. He overcame a lot of injuries as well. People forget how injured he was in the first half of the season. To end up joint top scorer on the Premier League, the Premiership last season, which is some going, when you can when you see that he scored one goal in 2021, he scored 16, I think, after Christmas. So that is some going by Gigi, and he scores important goals. He causes Rangers no end of problem when he plays them. He was brilliant in the two wins against Rangers this season, even though he didn't score. His all-round performances in both games were just excellent. And, OK, he might score a lot of goals against the Jobbers, but they're important goals. Hatchet against Dundee, that was a big win. Hatchet against Ross County, another big win. He scored a good goal against St. Johnson. And, of course, he scored the goal that clinched the league at uh, Tannadice. And uh, he's been excellent for us. And I think with the confidence he's got, granted his game, he's playing well for Greece as well and scoring goals for them. I think he'll be a huge player for us next season. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the Champions League because I think if... He's on form. He could cause teams a lot of problems in the Champions League. Before we move on to H, I just want to ask you, what was your favourite GG goal of his 13 in the league? Well, I thought about it and on the previous episode, the, the, we can't release because of the, the noise. I thought it was his header against United that clinched the league. But then it's got to be that overhead kit against Motherwell. That was just brilliant. And like, a lot of his goals are simple goals, really. Like It only takes one touch, usually. But that wasn't simple. And it was a goal that Kyogo or somebody would have been prouder. I mean, if they if Kyogo had scored it, for example, I think people would have went a lot more crazy at it. But no, that was a, a brilliant goal. And he showed the other side of his game and all by nearly missing an empty net when he scored his second goal when he ended up miss-kicking. But no, his goal of the season for me is definitely that overheat kick against Motherwell. It was a classic. I don't like his chant to the tune of Nina's 99 Luft balloons, but that's a story for another day. Anyway, moving away from that, we now move on to H. And John, you chose this one. H is for home form. Unbeaten at home, three draws against Livingston, Dundee United and, of course, Rangers towards the end of the season. John, we conceded four goals at home in the league. Can you remember who they were all against? It was one against Rangers, one against Dundee United and, drum roll please, two against Mark McGee's Dundee, which is just unbelievable, really. thought I would have caught you out there, John, but no, well done. You clearly do know your history. <laughs> Sounds like sounds like uh, the name of your website, but <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I I thought at home we were brilliant. We were brilliant domestically. I mean, okay, we lost a couple of games at home in Europe, and that'll happen when you're sort of building a new team together, like Celtic are. And I'm hoping that we're much better in Europe at home next season. But I mean, the the three games we didn't win, we could have won. Livingston, we should have scored that penalty in the last minute. Dungeon United, we missed. I think a jetty missed about two or three setters. Okay, Rangers were the better team in the second half against us in the draw, and they did hit the post, but we missed 
a couple of great setters. Uh, Dyson missed two great chances when it was one nothing to us. So we could have had a 100% reckon. I do even think we had that in the Martin O'Neill or Brendan Rodgers years. When I don't think we won every single league game. I don't know if we've ever done it. Well, maybe we did like, in the last century or something. But we could have this season. But, I mean, it's still good enough. And it's the home form that won the league. We managed to be unbeaten at home and then they drop a lot of points. Whereas Rangers lost, of course, at home to us, which we'll talk about in a minute. And they dropped points in more draws. So it was the home form that won it, and I'm confident that in the league we'll be as good at home, and I'm just hoping that we'll do as better in Europe. Do you know what I was thinking there? Do you know how you said under Brendan we didn't win every game at home? Got me right in my brains, and I'm remembering one of the most notable draws was actually the one that we thought we were going to win about 5 or 6 now. One each against Rangers, wasn't it? Stuart Armstrong scored, and then uh, Clint Bruce Hill made it one <laughs> each. I... That's right. We, that was on Sky the other day, I think. They've been showing loads of highlights of Celtic Rangers games. No, we should have won that one uh, easily. But we were denied a penalty when great guy uh, Lee Griffiths was challenged in the box by Clint Bruce Hill and great guy Bobby Madden didn't they give the penalty. So we probably should have won that neighbor bother, you're right. But uh, I think we might have dropped other points at home that season. I can't remember. I'll need, I'll need to check the record books. But I do know that We've no one every game at home. Even in, in fact, the only time I remember nearly doing it is two thousand and one two, when we won eighteen, and I think we drew one against Rangers. Was that not the game like Rickson, Lennon, and Mialby all get sent off? They did. Can you believe that Neil Lennon sent off against? Oh no, was it not Hartson? It was Hartson. It was Hartson. It was Neil Lennon for once. Don't believe it. I they, they had a big huge uh, fight in the penalty box after uh, Hartson hit the ball in injury time, and the three of them get sent off. But. Uh, I we've still never got a hundred percent record at home. Maybe one of the listeners can let us know if we have. Like in the recent past, no one like seventy years ago or something. But I that's something we can maybe look to try and get next season because we're we're good enough to do it anyway. Anyway, we can maybe factor that in with episode one hundred and twenty one after the part two of the A to Z when you do your public apology to Neil Lennon there, John. So <laughs> moving on to I. I is for Ibrox where essentially we won the league. John, that had to be the most stressful game of the season for you to watch. What makes you say that, Stephen? Well, I have photographic evidence <laughs> of you with your head in your hands for pretty much the entire second half. Yes, I did uh, bottle it second half, unlike me. I don't know what was the matter with me that day. I just was fearful that if we gave away an equaliser late on, it would have been really bad for us. And of course, you disagreed, but now you've saw the error of your ways and you agree with me that we needed to win that day. Can you imagine what I would have been like if we were like one or two points clear or something? Or even level, but ahead in goal difference, like getting into that split. I was already a nightmare when we were nine points clear. I know, like deleting photos for a Gigpod Instagram account and then I panic about injuries. It was terrible. But no, we thankfully did win and it was a brilliant performance. It was a great day as well, as we've talked about an awful lot in the, uh, on the pod where a lot of people that won't be named were there but uh, no that was a, a fantastic performance it was the other side of Celtic how to how to win no playing Ange balls the way people going about like with free flowing attacking football even though we did create better chances in the second half it was really like on the break but no it was the was just a very tense game and I mean it was the the first real derby in a long time where the title was on the line because nearly every season we've won the league recently we've won the league by like 10 points at least and this was one 
where like if we won, we we're still only going to be six points ahead, but it would be a huge step, and that's how it was so important. Probably the only game that comes close is when we went three two when Eddie scored when we had ten men at Ibrox, and I think we went nine points clear. But even then, that was like three points extra. So it was the fact it was such a big game. There was so much riding on it. That's how I was so nervous in the second half, especially. And of course, it was a good job we did win because Rangers, I don't think, lost another game in the league. Or didn't they lose another game domestically after that? I think they won every, they won every game. Maybe drew one. But they drew one with us. Of course, but they won every other game domestically. So they had a great end of the season. So we really had to win that game. And thankfully we did. And it was a, a great do after it. But we all get steaming. What a, and I at a subway, of course. What a, what a day. <laughs> thankfully, when we do part two, S will not be for subway. <laughs> Jay. Is for Jota with his ten goals and ten assists this season. He was so crucial in helping us reclaim the league trophy. Just need to ask you what your favourite goal and assist was from our Portuguese talisman. Well, favourite assist first. I'm going to have to use one that's not in the league, and it was that. Uh... No, actually, I've changed my mind. He's passed the uh, Dyson to get the equaliser against Hearts. That game, me and you were it, but it started so badly. We were a goal down after like two minutes. The game I wasn't stressing it, you mean? You weren't stressing it, no. You were calm, perfectly calm. When they weren't subs made after 20 seconds. But, <laughs> no, that was, I think people forget about that goal, but it was brilliant. It was a great run he made for the inside his own half. Took out like three Hearts players and he was a great pass. Right to uh, Dyson. It wasn't an easy finish either because it was slightly behind him, but it was still a great pass and, we never looked back after that goal and that win just about clinched the league and ended up being a, a great day again. His best goal was probably that one against Aberdeen because it was so important, the winning goal, I mean, because he scored the first that game. But I think people forget how dodgy that game was for us. We were 2-0 ahead. Just Aberdeen hadn't even had a shot and goal in the first half. Then the second half, they scored two in a, about a minute. And I thought, oh, no, we're going to drop points. And Rangers were playing somebody that night, I can't remember who, but they were winning. I was a job team, I think it was Livingston or something like that, who are always going to lose at Rangers. Thankfully, I think about a minute after uh, Aberdeen equalised, Jota came up with a great finish. He volleyed it out of the ground and over the goalkeeper and we ended up getting the win and that was such a big goal. I mean, I think for importance, that goal and the win against Ross County are his most important goals when we were desperately trying to get a second goal and he popped up after Gigi'd hit the bar. But my favourite goal was that Aberdeen goal because it was a brilliant goal Great attacking player, and it was a, a very important goal as well. And I see that finally, apparently, he's signing this week, even though it's about the 20th report this week, that in the last month that he's going to sign. But apparently, he's finally signing this week. So that'll be something to look forward to. I saw that, and here's hoping he does. And by the time this is out, and then part two, we can do a podcast where we talk about our new signings, and he is going to be one of them. We're hoping so. We'll move on to K now. It can only be K as for Kyogo with his 12 league goals in 20 games. John, one of the things you mentioned was how Kyogo is the striker that most reminds you of Henrik Larsson. Not out and out, but in terms of like movement and a couple of the goals that you scored, they've just been very Larsson-esque. Ah, yes. I don't want to like put pressure on him. Of course, I'm sure that Kyogo's listening, so hi, Kyogo. But compared to Henrik Larsson. But he's two in particular. And in fact, you guessed one of them when we done the, the first attempt at this pod. The first goal was his uh, lob against Hibs to win his elite, the Premier Sports Cup. That was definitely Larson-esque. The way he took the ball first time and gave the goalie no chance, knew exactly where to put the ball. That was 
genius really and the second one which is so much that lasts and it's unbelievable is the first goal put Ross County in April a game that we had to win to maintain the title charge and everybody was in a bit of a panic that week well you were because we had injuries supposedly we didn't really we were on the back of that dire performance against Rangers in the Scottish Cup where we should have won but blew it but Jota we had an important assist again and this header by Kyogo the way jumped his timing really was Larson-esque and it reminded me of Larson's goal his first game after he shaved his head all the way back in 2000 when we drew one each with Aberdeen at Pataudry it was so similar to that goal I don't think Kyogo's going to be as prolific as Henry Larson because they're different kind of players I think Kyogo's no really an out and out striker even though he scores a lot of goals he does a lot of brilliant work outside the box whereas Henry even though he did do that as well he was much more a penalty box king but it really did remind me of him, and what a great sign anyway, it's been Kyogo. And as you said, at the start of the season, he gave everybody a lot of hope. Because at the start of the season, I think, if you listen to the, the Mean Spunk phone episode after the 2-1 the defeat to Hearts last July, I think we were in a panic about Celtic. But Kyogo gave everybody hope, and the fact that he's scoring goals again after being out for four months really is a great sign towards next season. I think he'll score a barrel of goals again. We've got two to go now. L is for last-minute winners. Now, there were three notable ones under Andrew's Celtic this season. Ross County, Dundee, and Dundee United. My personal favourite was the one against Dundee United and what it meant because of what happened earlier in the day when Rangers drew 3-3 up at Dingwall. A draw wouldn't have been good enough for us. Obviously, we were going to play Rangers in midweek. And even if we did beat them, we'd still be behind. We had to win that game and we were down to 10 men. And Jota found Leila Bada, even though there was like nine Dundee United players in the box, and the way that Abada finished it, the scenes after it, it was oh, incredible. It just meant so much, and that always stands out to me as the best last-minute goal under the Andre regime. But what was yours, John? It was the same one. It was the the Abada goal. I mean, the other goals were excellent in their own ways. That Ralston goal is iconic now, really. I mean, when he leaves Celtic, eventually everybody will always remember that goal. The GG goal, I think, was very important as well because Rangers had dropped points the day before and we had to take advantage of that and we were struggling against Mark McGee's Dundee, which was just bizarre, but he thankfully popped up after a brilliant Ralston cross to get the, the winner. But that Abada goal was so important, as you say. Rangers had dropped points against Ross County at lunchtime that day. We had struggled to break Dundee United down and whenever we got a chance, Celtic number two goalkeeper Benjamin Segrist was fantastic that day but Abada popped up with that huge goal his celebration was iconic already everybody went insane in the stadium thankfully I was there that was only one of the three I saw in person and it was just a great great end of the game and a day where I actually thought we're going to drop points we're going to blow it a great chance to put Rangers under pressure but we did our usual Celtic last-minute goal that we've done so many times in the past and we'll do so many times again years to come. And it was a great goal as well because he took a touch. He wasn't panicked and he just blasted it past Celtic's Benjamin Segrist. And it's definitely my favourite last-minute goal in a long time because it was so meaningful in the title race. Uh, probably the best, probably the most important since that uh, legendary Tom Rogers goal against Aberdeen other years ago. Just a wee correction for you. Uh, when you said GG when he scored in the last minute against Dundee. It was actually that day Rangers dropped points at Tannadice on a 1-1 draw. 
Oh, was it that day? I thought it was the Saturday. I remember watching it in a pub in the town and then going straight to Celtic Park after it, that's why. All right, okay, well, I had a ticket for that game, but sadly I couldn't go due to that goddamn COVID-19, which is thankfully over with now, right, lads? (laughs) (laughs) And we move on to our last one. M is for Maeda, with his five assists and six goals. What a contribution he has made to the team since January. And I'm going to... It's not even a shocking statement. I think a lot of people might not agree with it, but even though he's weighed in with the goals and assists, I think his best performance was actually at Ibrooks. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, if MD listens back to the... If MD's just insane enough to listen back to our post-Rangers win, we talked about... And it is a good episode, by the way, probably the best of the season. We, we talked about Dyson for about 20 minutes because he was so, so good. Playing in a difficult role, he ended up being the lone striker a lot of the time because uh, Gigi dropped back into midfield, in the second half especially. But he ran his slam on the ground. He still managed to cause Rangers problems. He was unlucky not to score a couple of times. And the fact that he still managed to play more games after that this season is miraculous because he must have been absolutely exhausted after that game. And don't forget, he came. if everybody remembers, he came back for Japan and a day later, he played... Uh, against Rangers in the 3-0 win, so he's uh, been a great sign. His energy levels are fantastic, and I definitely think he'll be even better next season when he's got a full season with us, and I think he'll he'll definitely score at least 10 to 15 goals and maybe more. It just depends what position he's playing in and how often he plays, because I think we might rotate the strikers a bit. But no, DM has been uh, tremendous, a great signing, and he works so hard, and he just... As a player that teams must hate playing against because he, he never gives him a minute's peace. Let's not forget, he should have had a penalty at Ibrooks. He should have, but come on, Stevie, let's get in the real world. <laughs> okay, thanks for bringing me back to earth there, brother. <laughs> well, there we are. We've just got through part one. We've had to do it remotely. Thank you again to the Citizen M for their uh, brilliant hospitality on Saturday. Definitely not bitter about it, but aye, this is part one. I hope you've all enjoyed it, everyone. We'll bring out part two next week, but it'll be likely myself and Spunkphone talking about M to Z. And after that, that's us. We're stopping we looking back at last season. We're going to be looking ahead to season 2022, 2023, and back into our usual half-hour slots, talking about Celtic on a week-to-week basis. I'm looking forward to it, John, are you? Of course, I'm. It's always good to talk about Celtic with you. The great cast of characters that is Gigpod, and, and I saw one of the cast of characters last night, former Gigpod presenter Lee, who I saw last night, and unfortunately in shock news, we were uh, at a gig, and we had a, we had ciders, and he didn't like his cider because it was too sweet, and then, as the, as, the, as the NWO would say, it was too, <laughs> it was too sweet. And ended up giving it to me. Oh, here, by the way, and speaking of NWO, burn one for Razor Ramon. Well, that was a while ago, but of course, if we're doing a review of the year, yes, burn one for Razor Ramon, he was a he was a legend. But no, sad to say that Lee didn't like the cider we had at the, the ridiculously expensive barrel and ballroom. I won't say how much it was, but it was uh, far too dear. So uh, maybe we can get Lee on again if we play, if we play Tottenham in the Champions League. He'd love that. And also, before we go, John, the listeners might want to know that we had a great wee day on Saturday. Of course, I was hungover and not very good for company, but we did enjoy food at Bar Amsterdam, where when they posted the photo on Instagram, quite a few people were replying, asking uh, where we got the food, and the loaded fries and the burger and the wee chicken bites were just out of this world, weren't they, John? I mean, I might not have a lot of good qualities, but I certainly know where to go 
when it comes to good food. It was a sensational decision to go there, and uh, if they want to sponsor us, we'll definitely uh, eat some of their free chips again, because they were fantastic. Here's hoping they listen, and you can do some sales pitch for your outro. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. See you next week for part two. John, lead the way. Thank you, Stevie, and thanks to everybody for listening. As usual, you know where to get us by now on all the podcast platforms. You can catch Stevie on Twitter at GigPod as well, and you can catch him on Instagram, making more videos in case there's Celtic transfer news in the agenda. And if we sign people, like if we sign that left-back, Bernabe, if we sign him this week, I'm sure Stevie will do something about that. And uh, you can, there'll be videos, no doubt, in the weeks to come as we get ready for next season. And yeah, we'll be back next week with the EZ, and it'll be Stevie and Spunkful, and I won't be there. And uh, as I'm going to a, a punk festival in Manchester tomorrow, so if there are any gig pod fans going to that, you can get us a beer or a cider. But uh, we'll be back next week with EZ, the last look, the last episode looking back on our triumphant 2021-2022 season. And then as Stevie says, we'll be back to our usual gig pod 30 minutes episodes with a preview starting for next season so speak to you all soon thanks everybody for listening and hail hail Podcast Network.